0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and I am joined with Jonathan Lee.
1: Hello everyone.
0: And Brett Freeman. Hey guys. Cool. So, right off the bat, um, we have a little bit to talk about. We're not going to keep this a uh, very long episode. We're still, uh, FFG is still sleeping. They're getting like some small things out. Uh, this is probably, you know, going to last a little bit longer. So we're going to try to get some, like... Maybe some strategy talk going for the next couple of weeks until we really have um, any kind of word going on that you know the stuff's getting back to normal. So uh, let's start out with some shout outs, Brett. I believe you got one. I do. My
2: youngest daughter Alexis turned three today, and she actually listens every single week. So happy birthday, Alexis!
1: No number one fan. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Alexis! Is she is she a patron? Uh, no, no, she's uh poor. Nice. <laughs>
0: Um, okay, so, like I said, FFG's kind of just been a little bit, uh, they haven't really given us much news. They did the Adepticon stream, and, you know, I, they didn't give us too, too much. It looks like there's still a lot to spoil out of those packs. The one thing that I didn't, uh, catch today was that there is a Legion Tournament Rules update, and they, the reason I'm kind of bringing this up is that maybe this is the good time for them to kind of update the FAQs and the tournament rules and everything like that. Like I know they've been talking about it for a while. That they are definitely monitoring all these things very closely. And like I said today we got the Legion tournament rules update drop. And they had a big change to their tournament rules as far as MOV. Now obviously we have MOV already implemented into the X-Wing uh, tournament rules. But one of the, like, the big things that kind of caught my eyes. anyone that has ever played Legion knows that it's not a game of just des- destroying your opponent. It's, it, there's objectives to the game. There's different like ways to score points and stuff like that, where you know, X-Wing is just a dogfight. It's deathmatch and stuff like that. So th- the reason that I'm bringing this up, though, is they put in their MOV rules very kind of clear that if you are to ever destroy any of your opponent's entire list that you basically get a 100%, uh, like 100 to 0% win. They kind of go by percentages, how they do their uh, scoring as opposed to points. Now, I-, I thought that was very interesting. And I even asked some of my Legion buddies like about this. And I-, I asked, I was like, you know, how easy is it to build a list that you can just go around destroying your opponent's entire list and, like, without you know, dealing with the objectives or anything like that, because that's huge. That's like a 400-0, like, win in the um X-Wing world. So it's, it's really interesting to see that, like, even though some of your stuff might have been destroyed, the fact that you could just take out your entire opponent's list and get a perfect score really um interested me. And the reason I bring this up is I'm curious if in the future we're going to see anything like this implemented into the x-wing world that like they maybe they change around any of the rules um i i don't think it would be a very good like or smart like decision on their part if they you know you destroy all your opponents less you automatically get uh full points of 400 points but i think it could also be wise that i know i've talked about this in the past too that they kind of benefit from actually destroying your entire opponent's list. Like, I know that's been a big complaint the entire... almost the longevity of the game that, you know, ships aren't getting destroyed or people are running to time, and it's always been a big problem, where I think maybe if they leaned into some kind of bonus for actually destroying, you know, the 200 points that your opponent brings that maybe you you should get some extra kind of MOV or tournament points or something along those lines. Um, and like I said, I know that it's been in the past that they've kind of done the uh, different ranks of points, like a major victory, minor victory, or something like that. But I could also see this happening where like it's not going to happen every game, and it's kind of proven that... like I'd be curious to see how many games actually are you know going to a a total 200 point destruction and um if that would be in their interest in the future that they would implement some kind of bonus to your you know your tournament score doing this uh what what about you guys do you have any thoughts on this
2: i think it's a really interesting idea um i i mean we've talked about this in the past that they really need to incentivize you know engaging and not, you know, playing it safe, running into a bunch of gas clouds and, and evading every turn. Um, you know, that's just not really fun uh, for anyone. And, uh, you know, this is something that could potentially do that. Like, if you if you fully destroy someone, maybe there's a minimum amount of points that you get, right? You get at least 300 MOV points or something, just like a, if you had gotten a buy. Um, or you got your actual score, whichever is higher. Um, I mean, I could see a, a couple of ways of implementing it. I, I don't know if the full 400O is is the best method, but I I can't say I really hate it. Um, I mean, in Legion, I think it makes a little bit more sense because uh, you know, like a, a death match isn't really the the common uh, way that game is played. So it sort of is just increase or including an extra objective in every single game that someone could go for. But uh, in X-wing, I do think that they could incorporate it somehow. To, to create some incentive um, and, you know, to kind of really make people take some, some risks for a, a high reward as the game is getting closer, the tournament is getting later in the rounds, you know, because a 300-0 to 0 win or a 400-0 win, those are the types of wins that, that shoot you up the, 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 you know, the rankings. Um, so people might be willing to take risks that they wouldn't otherwise take uh, if it could have that kind of benefit
0: right and you mentioned that like like i said i mean the game of legion like isn't played by you know destroying your opponent's like you know entire list but i think at the same time like it's always been a rule that like you know if you destroy their entire list you do uh win the game anyway but um i think at the same time like that's a huge reward for being able to just do, to do that and like i said like talking to some of my buddies that are real involved in that they they basically express that it's it's very very hard to do that in the two to three. What I think it's been out for two years, they've only seen it done like maybe a handful of times. Um, so maybe that is part of the reason why they implement it into that you know scenario, because because of how hard it is to do, especially. And I think uh, Legion games are played in about two hours, but um, I I definitely think it's interesting that they, they would give that high of a reward to that kind of mechanic. And like I said, like as far as we all look at X-Wing, the object of the game is to destroy your opponent's ships. And like, I, I know people will say, well, you know, it's to do more damage than I'm getting damage or something like that, along those lines or anything back. But like in the end result, it is to, you know, end up like in the rules, it says to, you know, destroy your opponent's ships. So if they implement this, way of giving all these bonus points or something like that, even if, like, you maybe attack on a 100 points to your MOV. Like, that could be something completely, like, I mean, like, to say, like, 500-point score, um, I mean, your opponent still wouldn't lose their MOV points, but something like that could shoot you up as opposed to someone that's kind of sneaking in or squeaking through by, uh, you know, going through the motions of flying around gas clouds and you know only pecking away damage or something along those lines or i could be completely wrong maybe this is the game that ffg wants us to play in the end result uh, i don't know jonathan do you have any uh, thoughts on this
1: well i think um it would only make a difference in tournaments where mov matters so in anything where say all five and ones or whatever make cut it wouldn't make a difference there
0: right uh, um, it- yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and then
1: it would take you have to be very cognizant of like what your MOV is, where your standings are, and then apply that to the game. And so, I think I would agree that like anything that encourages engagement is good, but maybe, and I th- I think this is okay, but I just don't know if it's going to be at the forefront of people's minds when they are playing. But. Um, I mean where I would see it coming in is like later round games, you know, you're 4 and 1, you're or you're you're in your last game, you're 4 and 1, you're winning your last game but only by a bit, but you know you're sort of on the cusp, and then you might be more aggressive. But in a lot of games I don't know if it makes as much of a difference. If you know what I mean, I don't know if sure. it takes I think um some players are very aware of like score and position and then others It's it's hard, and this is a personal flaw of mine. Like in the game, like I'm not very aware sometimes of like what the score is, what the, you know, I'm just like attack, 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 and I'm not necessarily aware of who's of what the point status is and what I need to do. And I think, but like there definitely are like skilled tournament players will be very aware, and and for them, I think it can make a big difference.
0: Right, so, and, and, like, one of the things that, like, I was talking about then was that, like, if you were to kind of achieve this goal at some point uh, in the day, that could definitely shoot you up the rankings, like, uh, getting that 100 to 0, like, even, let, let's say that they are kind of, like, in the same standing as you, if you get that 100 to 0 win, um, like, that definitely will, will, will shoot you up there, and... and Cuts. I mean, like, like you said. I mean, it would only matter when MOV does matter. But I I think a lot of um, bigger tournaments, we're we're seeing that. um, Obviously, worlds and system opens don't go in in that direction. But like all of the regionals or prime championships, nationals, they kind of all follow that structure. Um, They, you know, this is just food for thought too. They, They could be doing something completely different. Like they might be changing tournament points or something along those lines. Or this all could just be a pipe dream that we're just, you know, giving our opinion about. So, um, it's definitely interesting to see this. uh, And again, you know, Legion didn't have MOV to begin with. They kind of went with a strength of schedule format. So this could just be them implementing a way that to break ties a little bit better as opposed to strength of schedule. Because anyone that's dealt with strength of schedule knows how frustrating it can be. Um... But uh, like I said, I mean, if we're not seeing that many releases, maybe FFG will take the time to really look at the different like FAQs and tournament rules and really maybe, maybe they'll have the time now to really like lay them out a little bit better in front of them and decide to go with a different, you know, rule set or anything along those lines. Yeah, like
2: floor um, rules. I think they said back in January that every game was still getting its own set of floor rules. Like right. this seems like the ideal time for for that to happen.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I mean, I don't know what their workday entails of, but uh, it, it would be a good good thing that uh, they send this out to us now to uh, have something to talk about and like kind of theorycraft in the future and really kind of look at how things are going. Um anything that you would like to see if they do go this route like anything that you'd like to any you guys like to see change
2: well i hate final salvo um but <laughs> oh and i and i hate bits but besides those two you know I, I you know i i think it's in a pretty decent spot but i do think some uh manipulation of the incentives for perhaps attacking like we said uh would be helpful
0: right uh, like how do you even be like uh, I, I, they would have to do some kind of different tournament point system if they did a full 200. Like, they couldn't just give out an extra tournament point if you destroy all of your opponent's ship. Um, well, they would definitely have to figure something out again.
1: Well, I know I, I'm pretty sure I'd mentioned this before, but back in the old, old days, they used to have loss, modified win, win. Right. You know, so uh, where I, a modified win was worth fewer points. But the problem was like someone with like you could go 6 and 0 in the day like six modified wins and you'd have fewer tournament points than someone who had say I don't know I don't remember the exact point structure but someone could go like four full wins and two losses and still end up with like like right. there's a way that you could lose games and end up getting more points than someone who got like mo- all modified wins
0: right um and is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, like, like I know it probably could be. Um, but, uh, and like, it, it depends on what they want us to play the game. So, I mean, if they want us to play the game and it goes strictly by MOV throughout the entire game and something along that, then yeah, that, that's fine. But if they also want us to play the game where we're destroying ships and not doing fancy fortressing rules or anything like that, um, that they know is a problem. They've addressed it at stuff like at Worlds. Do you think that maybe they return to that system or anything like that? Yeah, like who had who
2: had a better day? Someone who tabled four people and then lost two games by a handful of points, or or somebody who went six and zero oh, but uh, every game they won by three points. Right. Like like I, I to me it feels like the person who tabled four people had a better day, but. Uh, you know I, I could just be totally wrong about that like maybe it's just hey i know what my win condition is i have to get there and, that, and that's what i should go for maybe that's the 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 better result well i guess
1: it would be like the old modified win it's if you you um, had to win by more than 12 points so it would be 24 points so but you could modify the system yeah so that a full win was tabling uh, i mean killing all your opponent's ship and a modified win is just killing more ships yeah,
0: um... I don't know. I, I think I think a change in the game would definitely shake up some things. I think it would liven some things up. Um, but it's really in the the hands of FFG to see what they do with it. I mean, I'm all for. it. I think I would like to see. I enjoy the game. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not down on X-wing or anything like that. I enjoy the game so much. Um. But I'm always in for that shake-up to be like, okay, this is what the game is now. Let's evolve the game and go that route. We're going to talk a little bit about bullseye arcs this week. Uh, we're going to try to strategize a little bit with them. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. When you're flying ships, do you kind of look at the trajectory that your ships are flying in? Or do you kind of just like, do you just kind of have a plan of... I'm gonna point these at my opponent's ship, and we're gonna go from there. Brett, what do you? How about you?
2: Well, so I fly a lot of Jedi and a lot of Suntier Fell, so I am always cognizant of the angles that I'm approaching at, trying to get that perfect forty-five degree approach uh, to give myself a better chance of hitting either my CLT or my my Suntier uh, bullseye, um, because those ships just utilize that mechanic, and I love the the bullseye type mechanic that uh, FFG put into to this second edition. Um, so, yeah, no, that's something I'm I'm always focused on. I, I never want to be doing just a straight-on uh, attack for a couple reasons. One, the bullseye is harder to hit, and two, it gives me far less options the next turn to play defensively if I need to or uh, to escape or to potentially get a really great flank uh, with some double repositioning.
0: Interesting. Okay, Jonathan, how about you? Do you have, like, any kind of, like, flight pattern when you slide up, or are you just kind are of... You, are you the one straight-to-victory guy?
1: Well, I think when you're... Um, when you're... So, you know, normally when... So, people, we tend to line up. We play X-Wing very... Even when you're approaching on that 45 degrees, we're all very, like, lined up to the board edges. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're... Nobody, like plays at like 22 degrees or like 70 degrees or 80 degrees where either you're either facing straight ahead you're facing to the side or you're on that 45 and i think it's i'm not sure why i think it's just the way our brains are sort of oriented and i think when you're prettier yeah yeah like it's like i remember once at nova or somewhere i've played someone who he just all his ships were at slightly different angles and it was like the oddest thing where he was like like, and he just like tweaked them all so they're all and it was kind of random and it worked for him huh. but it did throw me off a bit like where one ship would be like 17 degrees to the left and the other ship would be pointed like 23 degrees to the right it's you know so when okay. they lined up Ten. yeah <laughs> he
2: used to do stuff like that with his uh, separatist swarm he would uh line stuff up like like you know 22 and a half degree angles or or you know just in my mind it looked like just very random angles yeah, um, and and he was doing it because he thought it would give him a better shot at at getting a bullseye for his uh, seer crack shots. I think it was. um, Now, in my mind, I didn't like that because part of the reason I think we all do that—that that, you know, strict adherence uh, to you know zero forty five ninety system—is that way if I have a shot on you, you're going to have a shot on me if we're both flying the same base size. Um, I like to to know that I'm not putting myself in a position where you can easily get a shot on me that I can't return based on just my angle. Um, So that's one of the reasons I try to always stick to that, you know, formulaic, I guess, setup.
1: So, yeah. So I think, um, and I think it's easier to sort of visualize where you'll be when you stick to that setup also, I think. So while I don't play a lot of ships that have bullseye mechanics, I think, being at that 45 degree angle is super helpful cuz it makes it less clear to your opponent where you might go if you know like you can three bank into them you can three bank the other way whereas if you're if you're facing straight at them it you have less options sort of for disengaging if that makes sense or rapidly engaging or escaping so i think like being able having that option when you bank in you know, you can you haven't really committed yet as you're sort of banking. You can turn towards them, you can turn away, you go straight.
2: Yeah, it, it opens up your dial for sure, and it also just gives you a bigger area uh, to hit as far as the the bullseye goes, right? Because you just have mm-hmm. to clip the smallest smallest part. It does not have to be hitting him with the entire bullseye. Um, so you know, the more space you have there, the better, and it also helps uh, with your repositions to to have a better chance of of getting one of those repositions to hit, uh, where as opposed to being straight on, you really just have two options to, to try and get the reposition to hit.
1: Yeah, like I find, like when I play four Fang Fighters, a lot of times I spread them out and then they, some of them go fast and some sort of stall a bit and then you wait to see where the opponent is going. And I find that, like on those tur- if I can get my ships always at that 45 degrees and then when I want to leap it, jump in, I can three bank into three. So say I'm at a 45 degree angle, I could three bank in towards the board up towards them, boost in, and you can cover a lot of ground really quickly. Whereas if you're stuck facing, but then you also have the option of hard turning away and disengaging. When you're facing straight towards them, you're, you have a lot of forward momentum and you have a hard time disengaging. If you're facing at 90 degrees, you cannot engage nearly as quickly as, because like a three hard turn is not, your three hard turn and boosting is not as fast as that three bank from a forty five degree. I don't know if that makes sense. I know that it's hard to sort of visualize when people are talking about X wing movements on a podcast.
0: Definitely, I think we were talking about that earlier. That it's hard, it's hard to sometimes visualize what this looks like on the table when we're talking about it. Um, I, I think that's a very interesting th- thing, though. Is that like I, I almost call it like the Tetris effect that people kind of like things like very nice and neat, and they, they want things to fit where they're supposed to, but I, I mean I, I wonder if like your opponent like kind of practiced that uh going into the game that like just putting it on different angles and, and maybe that is a like a one up that you can I mean realistically that the board is I mean like I granted I know there's all these tricks that if you're facing the board edge at like a certain angle you can always come back on with a you know turn but I wonder if it would be an advantage to try to, like, mess around with different angles and throw off your opponent. And it might be something cool to test out. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, the one thing to remember is, you know, we're not playing on Vassal and we're not playing on, on Tabletop Simulator, ideally, right? So as the game progresses, your ships become, you know, attuned to that 45, 90, you know, angle marker. And, you're, you know, you're bumping people and everyone gets to, to those wonky angles as the game (laughs) progresses on um but you know i i I still think starting in that way makes the most sense because you you know your opponent's almost certainly going to start in that way and it gives you the ability to you know plan you know your 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 engagement uh distances properly
0: yeah i i would definitely like to hear um from anyone that might practice this method like if your opponent um lines up in a certain formation or anything like that if you can look at them and say i'm going to line up you know not in this 45 degree angle or 90 degree angle and we're going to go from there and possibly try to get some extra shots or maybe throw them off on onto like where they're they're not sure where your ships are going to end up or anything along those lines like that i'm definitely open if anyone actually plays like that <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hear from you um all right, so let's get back onto the topic of bullseyes. Then, if so, the reason I'm asking this because I know a lot of times when you have like lower initiative ships, a lot of times I would say that like this is kind of just. Uh, would you say it's luck, or would you say it's more of skill to like line up all these like shots? Like, I mean, I know we talk a lot of times with sear swarms and crack swarms and everything like that. That you know you don't really have a. Um control of where your opponent ships are going to go but like i think at the same time you can almost like lattice your bullseye arcs to try to like make these nets for ships to get into and then you're going to catch someone eventually and and i think at the same time um it it is a little bit of both skill and luck that like like i said if you can like form these nets for people to kind of catch into uh, i think you did a great job but I, i also think at the same time your opponent's going to have a lot of information um, going into these things with, you know, like I said, crack swarms, sear swarms, anything like that, that they're going to try to be avoiding these at all costs. So speaking, let's go like into the lower initiative things. Um, arcs. like what are you doing then like with lower initiatives to try to uh, land these? Or are you just basically hoping that they land in it and then you get the benefits?
2: So let's say I'm flying a bunch of CLT Jedi Knights, right? Um, my strategic plan there would just be to try and get everyone at a different bearing, right? So someone's at a 45 degree angle, someone's a 90 degree angle, someone's 135 degrees um, just to try and get those arcs covering as much space as possible. And odds are maybe one, two, if I'm lucky, are going to hit. But I, I think that with a ship like that, at that initiative, I'm more than happy with the fact that, you know, one of them is hitting. Um, I I can't plan on that happening. It's just a bonus, is is the way I look at it.
0: Um, Jonathan, do you have anything? What do you think about that?
1: Um, I think at uh, low initiative, it can be pretty hard to. I agree with Brad. I mean, at low initiative, it can be hard. You it really. So I think say seek swarm with um, what's like an autoblaster, right? You just want to have a lot of ships, and you just want to. Fan out those arcs and have it crisscross form a net, you know. Um, And if you get it, it's great. But you can't rely on getting it when you're at uh, at low initiative.
0: So you would say mostly you you would think it's more luck than like trying to line up your maneuvers to be like okay I think almost like a poker like hand where like you like I think they're gonna go this way so I hope that they're going to have to make a decision that if they're going to want to boost or barrel roll or anything like that, or reposition or anything that they're either going to be in my bullseye arc or going to have to get out of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're at lower initiative, then it's not, I mean, your opponent ultimately can, if they have reposition at higher initiative, they have the option of, you know, getting out of your bullseye arc. But then sometimes if you make them burn that action, um, that can be beneficial for you, too. So they're boosting, usually, like, boosting or barrel rolling instead of, um, you know, modifying, like, focusing or target locking or evading, then that can be beneficial, right. too. So I wouldn't say it's luck. It's more like, well, yeah, yeah, you could do the best that you can, but knowing that in the end your opponent has, if they can reposition after you, they have the agency. Sure.
0: Um, all right, so then let's go to the opposite. Let's just jump right into tier Fell, Brett... Let's hear it. I mean <laughs> you, you've flown a good amount of Soon Tear Fell through the years and you know, he's obviously Mr. Bullseye now. You always want to get him into Bullseye. So the, you went to a little bit earlier. What do you think like what do you like you so say you went into a little bit of your strategies? Go into a little bit further detail if you can about that. Sure. I mean so the
2: the most important uh, way to get a bullseye with someone like fell in my opinion, is being able to barrel roll. Um, the barrel roll can get you into to so many different positions for your bullseye, depending on the angle that you're at. Uh, that alone could give you, uh, you know, six different uh, possibilities for your bullseye arc to go. And oftentimes, I mean, you're you you're pointing at the ship, right? Yeah, you, you ha- your bullseye is not going to be that far away from it. So oftentimes those six repositions are enough on their own just to give you uh, that extra, um, extra little nudge you need to, to get them in bullseye. Um, but one thing Soontier can do that you know other, other ships can't do sometimes is uh, barrel and then boost. And if you, if you have the ability to do them in either order, now your, your reposition options are, are almost infinite. I mean, there's, there's going to be a way for you to figure out or to get that bullseye. The, the key there is not, you know, that, is it possible? It's, can I figure out what order I need to do these in, in order to get them? Because it is almost always possible. Uh, so reps, knowing where your barrel rolls are going to go and where your boosts are going to go, uh, is really just the key. Um, ideally you're only doing one because soon tier is much better when he is not stressed. That one heart is, is such an amazing maneuver when you're trying to get bullseyes, um, so you know, ideally, you're able to get it with just one, and you're you're able to do it repeatedly. Um, the one heart also lets him stay close to ships, and it is significantly easier to get a bullseye on a ship in range one than it is at range three. Um, so, sorry, what was that?
0: No, okay. So we're we're talking about doing the boost and the barrel rolls. Um, now, a the bullseye arc is it's approximately about the half size of a cardboard, right?
2: Oh uh, yeah, so it is it's basically the the size of a, a range ruler.
0: Right. Um, so now like doing the math, like do you ever like go through that to be like, okay, I think this is gonna be a bullseye because it looks like it's a base and a half away? Or like when you're banking, uh, do you like kind of look at it and say like, okay, uh this is a little bit the angle like is about a half a base over, so if the boost will definitely put me in bullseye.
2: So I'm feeling kind of scrubby right now because I have never once had any of those thoughts. <laughs> um, I mean like, maybe, like I sh- maybe I should have.
0: Thinking about no, it, I- like like there is definitely some math behind this. Like behind trying to like land these bullseye marks and uh like you probably like I mean like we all know that like okay when you're looking at the board you can say like okay I think the one you know the the it's about a base away like a base and a half away a boost won't fit so now like i'm curious if like you know if you're ever taking that into consideration i mean obviously you said you don't really but i mean it's definitely something to look at when you're doing these things
2: yeah so i never look at it like strictly from like a math perspective like that right but i i do look at it you know like I I guess it's more just from, from feel, from doing it enough where I know, okay, if I barrel left back and boost to the right, now I'm going to have him in bullseye. Um, You you just sort of get comfortable with where you're going to end up with in, in each of those positions. One really nice thing to always remember, you know, and this is not a hot tip. It's pretty basic is that you can, you can look at all three barrel options before you have to commit to them. And oftentimes you're, you're able to just line it up right there. You know, you get, right behind the ship if possible. And, and you're able to figure out just from that barrel roll, do I have him in bullseye or, or not? Um, and when you're wrong, you're, you you, feel really bad. Uh, but you know, the more, more practice you have, the, the less, or, you know, the less often that happens, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I would definitely like, I, I want to take a deeper look yeah. into the math of all this. So uh, like I said, I, I think that's, so when you say you can look at all three, um, positions like what do you what do you it, wouldn't you all just be going up and down the roller so that bull'seye would probably be mostly the same?
2: So it, it it doesn't change by much but I'm assuming here that you're at that at the that angle f- that perfect angle yeah and that's the thing if you are just facing straight on it's much much harder to get that bull'seye to work for that reason. now if you're you're facing straight on uh, oftentimes a barrel roll away from the ship and then a boost in towards it will get you that angle. Um, but it, you just don't, do not have those options. So yeah, I'm assuming that I'm coming in at a, at a nice 45 degree angle. And part of the reason I think why I'm, you know, using that so much as a crutch is not because of Suntir fell, but probably because of, uh, the CLT Jedi where they, if they're even, I do my maneuver, if I'm not at that angle, well then I can just do a, you know, an FTC boost and now I'm at that angle and now I can play around with the barrel rolls if I need to. Um, so soon might may have been Mr. Bullseye, but uh, but I would say Anakin is, is you know, or any CLT Jedi is really Mr. Bullseye right now in my mind because yeah. uh, they can do it so much better.
0: <laughs> I think I'd argue the other way. I mean, granted, Anakin wants to kind of get that Bullseye arc, especially when he's doing those red maneuvers, but a lot of times he doesn't even have control over that. Like, that's, I would say, luck. Like, you can do those red maneuvers, and if someone's in your Bullseye arc, great. And with CLT, sure, that... You know, you want to line up those bullseyes for uh, obviously the benefits of CLT, but uh, I mean, Suntier getting that focus is just so strong.
2: <laughs> oh, the the focus is great, right? And I mean, one of the nice things about Suntier is that he gets that focus. You know, even when his uh, bullseye is hitting somebody's bumping, um, and you know, it's it's difficult to bump Suntier without him being able to get his focus. Um, so I tier is great. You know, I love Suntier. I'm just saying that as far as ships that can easily get the bullseye go right i think anakin at the i6 with the the you know dial that is is perfect has an easier job
0: sure um so then like let's talk a little bit of the clts um there's basically almost like the same mechanic anything more like i mean like granted like you have to approach at certain angles but you spending that force to reposition could hurt you a little bit more with the CLTs because I mean I guess you're always, you could always spend that force and then get the focus tokens back um, as your actual action, but then you're probably sacrificing your first action, right?
2: So I mean the CLT Jedi they want to focus anyway, right? So they're they're more than happy to spend that that force to reposition to get the bullseye uh, if they need it, and then they'll take that focus because their three die gun hits harder than anyone else's three die gun. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't view that as being a, a negative at all. And the reason why I'm I'm saying that there it's so much easier for them is because they do the, the double repositions and then the next turn they can do it all again. Where as soon tier can't do the one hard again the next turn if he wants to try and, and double reposition.
0: Sure.
2: Um, yeah, so the the dial flexibility is just so much better for the CLTs.
0: Okay. Um so, we have, like, the double reposition ships. Um, let, let's go into them. Yeah, that's,
2: that's easy bullseye mode, right? Like, the double reposition <laughs> one, that's where right. it's... I, I guess you could call it skill, but to a certain extent, it's also just, like... It, it's It's almost hard to not hit
0: sometimes. Right. And, and, and like, it definitely takes some practice. Like, I think you're not going to line it up every time, but I think at the same time, you are going to line it up a lot with all the double repositions. Uh, we could talk about Von Reich for a second as well. Like his pilot ability is a little bit different because it happens in the initial, the the initiative, the system phase, right? So I don't know if it's necessarily that you are going to be wanting to do that purposefully, or if you're going to just let that look and have that negative ability uh happen when it does happen but he still has that ability to barrel roll and then boost afterwards um like i said i haven't played enough around with to really think if that's going to be worth it to double reposition or just to let it go i guess it really depends on that situation that you have out there
2: yeah, so I mean with Von Reich who can double reposition in a certain order, it's significantly harder when you're on the table to actually get that, that bullseye. You lose so many options by not being able to to do the repositions in whichever order you want to. Um so that's that's a perfect example of of just how that one minor change really cuts down on the, the ability. Now his, his ability it's it's not as anywhere near as important as, as Soon Tears or the C L T Jedi are. So you, you don't really Care that much if you're you're not getting the bullseye. If it's there, great. If it's not, then whatever. Um, but but that's one where uh, I I don't know if I would say it, it goes from skill to to luck. If, if anything, it might even be just more skillful to if you're able to do it consistently because you're really having to to plan it out in advance.
0: Sure. Okay, so let's switch this up a little bit. So uh, the gilas for the scum faction. Now, they kind of play a little bit of a different role. Uh, if you don't remember, the Kimoguilas actually have a ship ability that while they perform an attack, if the defender's in the bullseye arc, defense dice cannot be modified uh, with green tokens. So, uh, it's going to be a little bit harder to line these things up. It's They're also medium bases. They have a red barrel. So, you really kind of want to, like really kind of capitalize on that 45 degree angle and uh, depending on which ship that you have. So I know Tarani has a bullseye ability and Dallin has a bullseye ability. I know Tarani's going to be a hot piece going forward. Um, he had a good showing at worlds. I know there's a lot of people th- are probably still sleeping on him, but he is amazing with snapshot. Um, but I-, I think also at the same time, this is really when you want to emphasize on that 45 degree angle and the barrel roll. It's going to be hard to just kind of like line up against someone, do the barrel roll, and then kind of joust them. Where I think if you come in on this angle, you're going to have a greater chance of lining up that barrel if you need to, um, or that bullseye if you need to barrel roll along those lines. The other thing to remember is we were just talking about math the medium bases barrel roll with that the one template to the side so if I'm remembering right it's almost like they're basically going over a one and a half as well um I could be wrong about that with the math on that but um I'm just trying to remember remember this off the top of my head so that's something to remember. If you think that like ship looks like it's going to be like, one and a half to the right and then you draw a straight line from that point, that might be where you want to really kind of be aiming if you think that barrel roll is worth it. You know what? I'm not going to lie. The, the, a lot of times I see the Kimogila as an action. Everyone always forgets about the ship ability. And it's, it does come in handy a lot of times, especially with like... The inquisitors that were real big, Suntier obviously, but I mean, if Suntier is ever in Akimagila's bullseye arc, something that tier player probably did something wrong. But it, it's really interesting, like Jonathan, you've talked about this to length uh, again about like coming in in that forty-five degree angle and going that way with the barrel rolls, right?
1: Yeah, I think with the Akimagila, um, especially Torani, it's a bit of a meta call. I think when you have so bullseyes are a lot easier to land against large ships and also against um, swarms, especially if you don't really care too much which particular, you know, uh, trade federation or separatist drone you're shooting at. So if a group of vulture, if you just fly Torani sort of vaguely aimed at some separatist drones, you know, at uh, vultures, you know, you're going to get, something's going to land in bullseye. So I think... Um, Tarani's ability, uh, which is, you know, after you perform an attack, each enemy ship and your bullseye suffers one damage, unless it removes a green token is particularly can be a good counter to the, um, and that combined with the, uh, dead to rights is a good counter to like, uh, vulture swarms.
0: Right. And, and one of the things that I think a lot of people forget with Tarani is like, you, you basically want to staple snapshot on there because if a ace, just happens to do his maneuver and lands in your bullseye arc and you know you have the initiative then you can take that shot and land that bullseye shot and you know this is before they get to take actions so they probably don't have a green token on their ship and you know they can't remove the green token so he takes the one damage um the other thing about that is you have to remember like the ships that are already in your bullseye arc if something moves and he does snapshot then that's also another issue that you know you can play around with. So
2: that one always seems like the, the better one in, in my opinion, right? Like you know where the ace is. So you move to a, a spot where he is now in your bullseye arc and you hope that someone had triggers your snapshot. Right. And there's nothing he can do, right? Like you can set that one up, you know, yourself without any any luck or, or help from the other player. That's just you oh, playing.
0: Snapshot say like enemy ship? okay after an enemy i was gonna say could you put like r5 tk on him and shoot one of your own ships and then try to trigger that but no snapshot does say enemy ship yeah yeah it's uh, definitely works very well against swarms especially if you can knock out like two um with that bullseye arc but i i think it's still viable with like aces because like, like i said like certain times they will land in your bullseye arc, and you know you get the snapshot off and get a free damage. And that that hurts. <laughs> I mean, something like Sooner that only has three hull could definitely um, it could be huge for that. Um, but yeah, like like I said, barrel rolling with like the bases is is something that you really want to make sure that you're doing the right call on that. And then like, cause like I said. You get the stress from it. They don't have the greatest dial, but I I think at the same time you can capitalize. I mean, I would definitely take the stress if I know I'm guaranteeing a damage uh in that way regard. Um, so let's move on. Uh other things that foreman approach does he in the mining guild? Um, okay, this is a good one. Before you engage, you may choose one enemy ship in your bullseye at range one or two, it gains a disc and gains a disarm token if you do that ship gains one tractor token i also want to kind of like go receiver like or receiver. if anyone remembers he was kind of big um the last points adjustment towards the end and if this was in the counter though if you were not in the enemy's ship you are bullseye arc that you could then jam that ship either when attacking or defending so this is a, a instance where you know it's the negative effect that you kind of want to make sure you always have bullseye on this guy even if you had no abilities you always wanted to try to um get this guy in bullseye just because he's going to jam you any any thoughts on scum ships before we go into the separatists um the quad jumpers i think were pretty simple the bullseye arc you got two jam or not two jam two tractors, but it's a little bit easier to the only time it ever matters is with, um, large base and medium base. And they're a little bit easier to catch. So we don't have to go too significantly
2: crazy to easier. Yeah. It's like a, a large base ship. It it's much harder. It seems like to not get bullseye than to get bullseye a mm-hmm. lot of times. Okay. So I look at those as more that when they happen, it's awesome, but None of those abilities to me seem like the kind that I want to be uh, you know focusing on like I do for for soon tier. Uh, maybe Turani, but um, you know I just feel like with just the, the red barrel roll and I, I personally have trouble eyeing up the the medium base barrel rolls. I don't I don't necessarily think that one is is worth trying. It just seems like at the, the beginning of the game when your opponent has more ships, it's it's triggering all the time and hopefully doing enough damage. Uh, At that point to to put you ahead, but I don't think I would be playing around uh, making this work for any of these ships. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I mean, the quad jumper, maybe, um, uh, but they're probably moving at initiative one or two. And you can just line up your ability with that. Tarani, like I said, Tarani's the only thing. And, like, I don't think I'm ever doing it in, like, the thick of a fight. I think the only time I'm really barrel rolling is when I am trying to set up that perfect arc in the beginning when I know I can clear it with an easy maneuver going into the next round. He might be also the only one that I'm actively trying to, to trigger. Uh, like I said, although otherwise, nobody else I'm actually looking to do anything about. Um, okay, so let's talk about the Nantexes real quick. So, the Nantexes... Have the three dice primary attack from the bullseye, and then like the turret. Otherwise, now have the mighty have fallen because the Nantex used to be this big boogeyman, and I feel like no one's really kind of messed around with them.
1: Um, well, they don't have a
2: snare in hyperspace, so that, that, that hurts? hurts them. They don't have a snare in hyperspace. Sure, they
0: don't have ensnare in hyperspace. But even still, like I mean, like fifty-two points for a I six. I mean,
2: that has to tractor himself to, right. to reposition it all. Like it's, I, it's I'm not interested.
0: No, and, and I I mean we we've gone over like barrel rolling and everything like that. Like I don't think it's that great of an ability anymore. Um, especially with the even with ensnare, like I mess around with it a little bit and it hurts. Like I I think they kind of killed this before it got too big and. I it's think just that's... much
2: harder now for him to actually pull that off because, I mean, it, it used to be almost comically easy, right? Because you would reposition yourself and then reposition them. And, uh, I mean, essentially you could get multiple barrel rolls in there or multiple boosts in there to to put them exactly where where you needed them to, to be. And when you can do not just the, the actions in whatever order you want to, but uh, multiple times... I mean, then it becomes way too easy. And now the problem is, if you move them right, they can just turn around and shoot you. So it it really kind of is like a kill, like a like a a fatality type ability for for Sun Fact now, where he's like, all right, good, I I'm gonna just shoot these five dice in at you, and you're gonna die right now. Um, that's the the way I need to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I, I, hmm. I don't know. I have strong feelings about the nanzex. I don't want to get too deep into them, but yeah, like I. I I messed around, like I said, I messed around with the, the new tractor abilities, and like, it definitely, like I this being able to stress yourself to turn ninety degrees almost seems like a benefit. Like, granted, you're rolling one less agility, but I, I think, at the same time, I don't know. Like, I I just don't think. I I think these ships are just going to sit for a long time until. FFG actually actively tries to fix them, and I don't think they ever will. Like I think the community has outspoken that they don't want this in the game, and that's it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if you see them played now, it's really just, they're not going to be moving ships around. You know, they're going to do their own reposition, get the tractor, and pass the tractor off, and and that ship will stay where it is, unless they can reposition that ship onto a rock or something like that. But I I agree. I definitely think it's not going to be the The norm like it used to be where every turn i'm i'm tractoring myself and moving you
0: right um so here's the big one is seer uh we kind of like talked about him a little bit with the he's crack shot for the vultures um and like i said it's definitely achievable it's definitely a game that you can play like it's uh, i would say it's does require a little bit of skill, but you can definitely set up these nets for these people. You can set up these like lattices, and really kind of set up these different kill boxes that you're going to uh, absolutely have kill bo- or um crack shots from Seer, and you know really kind of like take that off the board. So uh, I think Seer is probably, if not superior, like one of the best examples of crack shot and how important it is to the game um yeah, and what he
2: yeah, you know, what he also does really well is allows the the vultures to to sort of block someone into that perfect spot right because the vultures are i ones they have uh that great uh reposition and to calculate um ability so they oftentimes you'll see one of them just act as a blocker and make sure that ship that you're trying to block is going to be in a bunch of those bullseyes that's where the, the skill really seems to come in right when someone Positions you where they want you to be.
0: Um, okay, so here's two examples of where I'm going to actively try to get bullseye. Well, not even bullseye, but like actively try to trigger this, and that's with recoil. Like I, I think recoil's ability is when you are at range one of the opponent and you are stressed. Am I? Remembering yes, that? and you're stressed. And you're stressed, which is super easy with the auto thrusters. Uh, you can treat bullseye as basically being your front arc so you have to be at zero to one um so but there's all these great upgrades that we're going to talk about a little bit down the road that uh will, will benefit this and now granted the area of control that you have in that range one front arc is you you might already be in bullseye to begin with but i i think at the same time um there's going to be opportunities that you aren't, especially if you are trying to stress yourself or get out of an arc that you might miss that bullseye. But it
2: it makes it again, just I, if you're at range one, you're, you're probably have someone in bullseye, but recoil allows you to, to put yourself at range one with a great disengage path and still get that bullseye ability, which is where he's, he's really good, right? You just, you're happy with that last degree of, of your arc hitting someone at range one. Right. Um,
0: um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only problem is he's I four, so it's kind of just like, uh, if you know, hyperspace ever gets to a point where they just take out all the I fives and I sixes, and just make I four the top thing, like I would be so into this game right now. But he uh, would be definitely something I take a look at. That you actively try to seek out the, you know, these conditions to hit bullseye. Now I'm going to give you the opposite. This is one of the things that I absolutely think you should just rely on luck that you don't care about as bullseye you don't you know want to you actively seek it is corin horn i think corin has the ability that at the initiative zero he can basically take a bonus uh attack i think it has to be primary attack however you get the uh at the start of the next round you get a weapons disable token it, the attack can be strong like you know sometimes you uh, you don't ever want to actually like take uh, a boost over a focus token or something along those lines. But I think at the same time, if that does ever line up that you can take that uh, bonus shot and it's a, you know, you have mods or, you know, maybe you have FCS on there or something along those lines. You still have your focus. I'm taking the shot. But like I said, I've never once actively seek. I've ran a lot of and Horn in second edition and. And it's one of those things that, like, when it happens, it happens, and it feels good. And like, Corrin could probably escape a lot of situations afterwards. He can fly straight out of there. He can. Um, I- I've been running him with R4 Astromax, so he can do a lot of wonky like one turns and everything like that that are uh, white. Um, open up the two turns to be blue, um, but I-, I think at the same time he he never wants to actively seek that bullseye arc and that is a big change from first edition to second edition where i think a lot of people who did run him uh, always tried to do it and then kind of ran away yeah because he didn't
2: used to need the bullseye arc right he just if he wanted to then then he would shoot you again yeah um so i i have played a small amount of corn so you are a much you have <laughs> much more experience in it than i do i mean and and the key for him in my mind was just he had to get passive mods Right, because I was trying to get that bullseye to work, um, because, you know, attacks are, are pretty precious in this game. So, you know, I was loading him up with those bullseye type, you know, predator abilities and FCS. I think I would put FCS and predator and R3 astromech on them. So he would basically have, you know, locks on everyone. And I found that it was incredibly ineffective. So you're probably right that it might just be an ability that if you pull it off, you know, one game, great. Um, I was playing, uh, Marcel from Gold Squadron up at the Toronto System Open last year. And he, uh, did he have corn? He may have had corn. I don't know. We were, we were talking, and I was just like, you know, so how often does that ability go off? And I, I think he said it hasn't happened once all day. Um, but what it did was it would scare the ships out of his bullseye arc, it would have a great deterrent effect. Um, so, so he almost is, you know, benefits by not being able to use his ability.
0: Um, so is there any other ships that we want to talk about? I mean, Anakin, we went a little bit into. Um, we went a yeah, little Illumina. bit a I mean, there's a handful of ships that, like, they made the bullseye mechanic really cool, like, in second edition. I'm happy it's in there. Is there any other ships that you want to really kind of emphasize about?
2: Uh, I just think that some of the, the ships were it's it's not your bull'seye that matters it's someone else's are kind of cool um, like luminars it allows her to you know be a, a sensor jammer and change a, a hit to a focus um, if a friendly ship is not in the attacking ship's bullseye arc um, so just things like that where it, it makes your opponent's bullseyes even more relevant to you I, I like that they have that as a, a point of focus sometimes
0: so let's get into some of the upgrades uh, obviously the number one upgrade is is Crackshot, like, it's one point, it is probably the best EPT in the game, would you say so?
2: Um So, I mean, I prefer Predator, personally, because I usually am am flying ships that, uh, you know, are, are going to be have... getting a lot of bullseye. But, I mean, Crackshot is, is so powerful, it, it really makes lower initiative ships and uh, spamming your type lists uh, work. Without Crackshot, they just seem to fall apart.
0: I don't have the data right here, but I want to say like Crackshot was probably one of the most broad upgrades. Uh, within like oh,
2: I, I'm yeah. sure that's true.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, granted, it's one, like I said, it's one point and you can spam it. Um, but like, so in, in one of the big things about Crackshot is that it works really well on two-dice attacks. Like when that one time that you... Here's the thing about crack shot is like when it's active, it scares a lot of people into you know spending that focus that they might not actually have to. And maybe, like, you know, now you're the next shot that they have coming at them is now two dice with a mod, but now they're not going to have a mod on defense because they had to spend. You know the focus to get two focus results or two evaded uh, results as opposed to one because crack shots there. Um, like I think that has a greater effect than almost the the uh, upgrade itself. Where you know obviously it's very strong when you, and you know it's there when you need it. But um how many times that like I've told an opponent or heard someone say, okay, well you know they they see the results sitting there. And you'll 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 give them like the little. Advice to be like, don't forget crack shot. You know, you don't want to be the guy that, like, when they don't spend the focus and then you say, okay, crack shot. Um, but like I said, it, it's there because it, it really can kind of like scare the opponent into getting into the uh, having to spend their defensive mods as opposed to just nattying out yeah, or matching what you need.
2: Right. Knowing when to use it is is definitely, you know, I would say like a skill. Like, so Duncan Howard will often put crack shot and targeting computer on his student tier fell. I have watched a lot of his games, and he rarely will spend that crack shot until the end of the game if he ever ends up getting to spend it at all. Uh, but like you said, it's, it's something that they have to think about every turn, and he knows that it's there. If he's at that, that critical moment where, oh my god, I just needed one more damage, well, good, I, I have it right there. Um, so I, I think I like it more when it's not being used and just scaring the heck out of people. Which is why I think it's so much better than a talent like Marksmanship, sure. which is, you know, nowhere, it's the same point value, and it's nowhere near as good and almost never played
0: for that reason. So, I mean, okay, let's talk about this real quick. Uh, marksmanship and Autoblaster. I, I think, Yes, that's one place where you might see it. I, I think this is the one place you absolutely should see it. If you are running any kind of like auto blaster swarm or you have an auto blaster and an EPT that you need and then you have like points left over, absolutely do auto blaster marksmanship. Because, you know, you get that extra dice from the bullseye arc and being able to change a result from, you know, your hit to your crit is like huge if especially if you're out of arc like that's auto damage that it's what like four points total for that combination like i would say that's a little bit better than hlc and i am a fan of it like it, like i've seen seek swarms run with it um but i think with auto Blaster being such a cheap cheap cannon that like I said if you if you have the points for leftover or not using your EPT slot absolutely throw marksmanship on there if you have the auto blaster yes but in any other situation
2: I think uh, it's almost useless oh yeah yeah
0: <laughs> I mean like maybe Bosk in some kind of alternate reality sure. where he's good but other than that yeah I, I wouldn't bother with it um do we want to talk about Prockets Prockets are what seven points
2: they're fun like they're really fun. Um, but they are pretty expensive for a, a one-time trick, but, uh, you know, range one to two, uh, is, is pretty cool. Um, I sometimes forget that it also goes out to range two and I'm like, why the heck would I ever take this over an advanced proton torpedo? And that, and that's the reason why, right? Cause it's, it's pretty flexible and you just need that focus and a bullseye.
0: Right. I mean, okay. But yeah. It, Chris, it...
2: Chris flew a bunch of rockets I, I think two rockets at, uh, um packs and did quite well with them and said that he had fun all day just being able to shoot up rockets
0: right and and because it takes a focus you don't need a lock or anything it's just a focus so it's a five dice focus attack um if this is like two points cheaper and not even two points if this is one point cheaper i would absolutely just try to spam this as much as possible on like some generic ships because yeah but i agree
2: i think it is one or two points too much. Two is probably too big of a deal. Yeah, attack.
0: I think if this was six points, I would definitely I would be throwing this on a lot of lists. Um, heck, even if you're not worried about a bid, throwing this on some higher initiative ships, can the Inquisitors take this? Do they have a missile slot? They do. That's interesting. I might have to try this on Saturday. Um, was one of
2: the, I think he, would, he put it on Vader and the Inquisitor, I think, were his there's two uh platforms for
0: him uh i'm gonna have some fun saturday uh yeah so i definitely think pockets is definitely it's something to look at uh like i said we, i know chris has been running this so he'll probably vouch for it 100 percent. and it's it's that one five dice attack that you know you might need and get if you can double mod this it's amazing um but yeah, I would definitely mess around with Prockets in any kind of list that you have seven points left over. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a spammy type thing, uh, but I think at the same time, it's something that should see play a little bit more often than what it is. Um, Anything else? HLC, what, what do you, th- Jonathan, I've, it's been a while since I've heard from you. What do you think about HLC? What...
1: what do I think about HLC? Do you
0: think it's worth it? It's like what, like four points or five points now?
1: So let's see. So it's what four points, and it's a four die attack only in the bullseye five Uh,
0: or five, uh, five points and five points. points. Um,
1: so I haven't really played with it much. I guess you could put it on T70s, right? Or uh, in their hard point slot, uh, maybe Poe if you're not. No, I haven't really used it a lot. I'm not sure if it's... I Did you put it okay. on the B-Wings? No, I mean, it's hard to line up that... Like, on the B-Wing, their initiative is lower, and you're not guaranteeing that bullseye. And I don't know, I feel like... if And if you're going with the configuration, I sort of feel like maybe the... Um, ion or auto blaster i'm not convinced of its utility on the b-wing you know i think you either want the b-wings to be cheap as cheap as they can be or or you want i don't think you can pull off the bullseye reliably on braylon or Tednum. what about gina gina at i5 but then yeah i guess i mean i guess you could put it on gina at i5 i
0: mean seven so that puts up to 57 points
1: you know, if you with the configuration, but then one of those shots is going to be unmodded. Sure. You know, so she doesn't. I don't. I. I don't think I'd do that. I mean, I could see. I mean, if you put it on a T seventy, and then they can. I don't know. Uh, I haven't <laughs> given it much
0: thought. Sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, like I know this is one of like uh, I know some people were putting it on Boba Fett, and every once in a while you'd get that four dice attack. But I think the, the points are just better well spent elsewhere.
2: The place I've seen it the most is on like a BB8 Poe, um, who was able to get it pretty reliably. But, um, but yeah, I I mean it, it's not the the play style I like. I think HLCs are best when. You know, they're just spammed on, like, cartel spacers or something. And uh, then I need to, you know, be worried that there's six uh, bullseyes out there I need to try to avoid or else someone could hit me for four. Um, that's where I think they, they kind of have their their best effect.
0: All right. Uh, all right, so I think any other upgrade that you guys want to mention other than that? I mean, I,
2: I, I know you're not a fan of Foresight. Um, as you listed here as the dumb Jedi EPT, but uh, I think it's kind of a cool ability. I, I have to say, I mean, four points gets you potentially a whole another attack that has a you know a passive mod built in there. I think that that is uh, you know I think I think that was well worth its points even before the the stupid rules clarification that allowed you to use it uh, during the engagement phase. Um,
0: so I. You know, even even like at the engagement phase, you can get that free money because you don't have to spend uh, the uh... right,
2: right. Which I think is dumb. Like I think that's a dumb ruling. Personally, I, I don't understand why they went that way. Um, but uh, so even ignoring that though, I, I thought it was worthwhile. Um, I mean, anytime you can increase your attacks in this game, it's it, it's pretty great. Um, and this is you know range one to three. Um, so it's not it doesn't have quite the utility that something like um, uh, a snapshot has because that just has a much wider range being all of range too um, but you know it, it does hit harder than snapshot and uh, it's significantly cheaper so you could so throw it on a bunch of ships
0: if you're in bullseye and your the opponent is at range one to three or two to three and your bullseye, you use this every time as opposed to... Because you don't have to spend the force to perform the attack, only in the... Um...
2: Right, you have to spend the force for your bonus attack. Right, the bonus attack, yeah.
0: but not the normal attack.
2: The, the reason you don't use this is because you either have 7B and would be shooting with three dice, or right. CLT and would be shooting with two dice and a focus result um, in order to, to be using this. So it's, it's kind of the... The shot you use, where you're you're tapped out of force, you have no focus whatsoever. So you'd be throwing, uh, you know, essentially two dice and a useless focus result. Well, here you can throw uh, two dice and actually have a passive mod.
0: Right. I was that, just that's thinking really uh, maybe like the Inquisitors. Uh, I know we've seen it before. It's nothing new. But yeah, just throwing that on the Inquisitor, the generic Inquisitor, and having oh Agha... yeah, there's... I
2: forget that there's more than just CLT yeah, Jedi a, out there.
0: Jedi aren't the only. Yes.
2: Yeah, so Inquisitors, yes. I In fact, I played that list at Worlds. Um, there were three Foresight Inquisitors um, and like Vader or something. And the Foresight in the last round cost me a game. Um, and he used it as the engagement phase. So I guess I blocked it out. But uh, yeah, no, It on, on a, a normal two-die ship, it it's great. And it uh, gets rid of the range bonus, if I remember correctly.
0: Right, that, exactly what I was saying. If, anytime you're in Bullseye at range two to three. The, it gets away, the uh, range right, bonus. Right, get mod and the range. Right. Um. All right. So, any other upgrades at this point? No. All right. So, upcoming event uh, Saturday we have our TTS tournament. Um, if you want to sign up, it is open to anyone. It is. Free to play, so you just have to show up. We have well, I have a Discord link and the show notes. I will be posting this around Facebook to the different groups. Uh so you can sign up there. You the only thing I ask is that when you sign up on Tabletop TO, just make your Discord name the same as your tabletop TO name so it's easier to ping people on where they need to be at or along those lines. Um I will have the discord and everything like set up and ready to go Friday night. So, but check-in is at 11. I expect everyone's list to be in by 11 AM on Saturday. If you're not there, then we're just going to drop you from the tournament. But um, yeah, like I said, it's free to play. I'm going to have, try to have some kind of prize support, some tokens to send out. Um, since we're in this quarantine days, uh, we still want to get some X-Wing in. Uh, so come play. So-
2: so logistically, how does it work? Is it based on the number of rounds or based on a seventy-five minute game?
0: Um, so we're going to go by a seventy-five minute game. Like okay, I said, because there are games. I felt like the seventy-five minute game was
2: was basically a full game of X-wing.
0: Right. Like, I, I,
2: I felt like it was quick enough.
0: That was part of the reason that um, we I wanted to go with TTS was that I feel like it is it feels like you're playing on an actual tabletop and uh you, it feels like you're setting dials you know and flipping dials and everything like that it's not you know you're not going to be in an advantage if someone knows a little bit more um you can there's a timer right on the table uh, and everything like that so like I, I feel like this is the best way to go for tournament play um like i said i'm not distant vassal or anything it's great utility for the x-wing world i, I just think for tournaments i think from the future we'll just be using tts um. So, like I said, it's free to play. Um. Any other? Can you think of any questions that people might have, Brett? It's extended. Don't forget, it's extended. Oh yeah, I have had people ask that one. Um. um so. The purest form of X-wing. No. So I, I mean, there's no limitations. There's no random list or anything like that. It's just you know, I want people to play X-wing, and I know, um, I know some people have been itching to get back on the table, so definitely take a look at that if you're interested in playing and hopefully we get a good amount of people and i'm not sure yet like if people want to do like a cut and everything like that if we get enough people then we can go that way um but yeah other than that it's just going to be a normal day of backswing with 75 minutes and go from there any other things before we close out
2: i think that's all for me
0: cool Um, so I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, check us out on Facebook, check us out on Patreon and have a good night.